teachers are leaders. And we're here to emphasize the good in education, one practice, method, idea, or trend at a time. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Teachers Are Leaders podcast, brought to you by the Warren Instructional Network, and I'm your host, Andrea Coachman. Okay. Today, I am with my favorite dynamic duo, that is for sure. Thank you, Stephanie Harvey and Ann Goodvis, for joining me today. We are thrilled to be here. Such a treat. Thank you for having me. I can hardly wait to see what you have in store for us, Andrea. (laughs) Well, you guys know, I mean, we've talked enough times. I, uh, I'll have some some planned things and I'll throw some other things, but I am very excited to chat with you guys and dig in deep. I mean, you know, we've had conversations over the years and, you know, I joined, I joined Kyle's team back in 2018 and was fortunate enough to work with you guys as you supported uh, Texas district. And so I think they're just the story, y'all's story and coming together and working together and the work you've done is very powerful. So I'm excited to spend a little bit of time kind of digging in. So, you know, Stephanie, you have been in the world of education since the early seventies, almost two decades in a classroom, elementary teaching, special ed teaching, and then, you know, moving into publishing, consulting, but always continuing the support. I mean, you have not stopped the work of supporting teachers in districts, in classrooms. And I think, you know, you can see it in the the books that you have put out and the resources that you've put out. It is very apparent that it is boots on the ground work and it is phenomenal. And then, Anne, your work in Gosh, so started in urban Chicago, teaching there, then moving to Colorado and teaching there, and then the stars aligned, and then (laughs) thankful for what the Public Education and Business Coalition, PBEC in Denver, you two were able to meet and begin your work. And And so for that, was that just because you guys had a conversation or you know, you ran, ran in similar circles and somebody connected you. How, how were you able to connect within the PBEC? We were, we were looking carefully at, in our, it was a nonprofit, the PEBC is a nonprofit and Anne had not joined us yet. And we were starting to look at reading. We'd been, we'd been based really in writing and doing staff development across the Denver area in, uh, in supporting teachers in the classrooms with writing instruction, writing workshop. And then we started moving into reading, but Anne arrived new in the area and she had just come fresh off a uh, getting a PhD under David Pearson at the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. And that's how she came to us. So that was how we sort of became familiar with her to start. But I remember the moment <laughs> that we decided that. to write strategies that work. Mm-hmm. And I'll just mention this. We, Steph and I were at this conference way out in Lyman, Colorado, you know, most of the way to Nebraska. And there was this book called Picture Books for Teaching Writing. And so we were talking and we said, well, why not do picture books for teaching reading? And so we went to a Wendy's. I just have this clear memory of this and we talked about 
gosh, I mean, we know a million picture books. We could write a book about picture books for teaching reading. And, and, you know, then we backed up and put in the whole comprehension and research part. But anyway, that's just, I don't know. That's what I remember, Stephanie. You may yeah, have- yeah, yeah. No, I remember that too. I remember that too <laughs> over lunch thinking this would be a really fun thing to do. That's exactly it was right. like we had driven like miles out <laughs> to the plains to, to do yeah. a, pres- you know, not together even. We were just doing presentations. Anyway, it was right. funny. Yeah, no, I, that's right. So yeah, yeah, that was sort of one of those moments, you know, exactly. That was, yeah. Yes, but, I know um, with my, um, or with our four-year-old, we, you know, you watch a lot of um, cartoon movies, but one of the new ones, Inside Out, they talk about how that's uh, creating core memories. So that is definitely a core memory. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys coming together. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I love Inside Out, by the way. Isn't it the best? It's the cutest thing. Just the best. I love that. Yeah. Well, and so, and you guys have, so Strategies That Work, that was the first text that you guys worked on together? Yes, definitely. We were lucky because Ellen Keene, who has, is a, you know, well-known author and educator in this world, um, she had written a book with, with her co-writer, Susan Zimmerman, called Mosaic of Thought. And it, it had taken the comprehension work that David and his colleagues, David Pearson and his colleagues had had researched. And they, they'd taken that work and basically sort of showed teachers how what we as adults do mm-hmm. to um, when we read, what we think about, how we question. But she didn't spend, they didn't spend a lot of time on what to do in the classroom. So we kind of followed up with strategies that work was sort of, based on the work that Anne had studied and the book that Ellen and Susan had, had written and our understanding of then the, what you do in classrooms to teach kids comprehension, right? So yeah, that was, so that, that ended up being strategies of work, right? Mm-hmm. Which is how well, we so you know, in, in this comprehension research that we base this on, you know, we aren't researchers ourselves, right. we're practitioners, we're teachers, but this research work that, um, was done at the University of Illinois. It was starting, started in the 80s. I mean, this is well-grounded, long-lasting research. And so, you know, again, what was really fun and interesting was to make this happen in classrooms, but have it grounded in what they call the proficient reader research, what good readers do when they read, ask questions, make inference anyway. And, and that was pretty much, that's why I think the book had a nice sort of grounding in research, but it was practical. Right. Anyway. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. So I um, started teaching in the like 2000, mid 2005, 2006. And my mentor teacher at the time gave me a copy of your book and I still have it on. um, It was when it had a red, it was a red cover then. The first edition. It was the first edition. (laughs) But so it's still on my shelf in my office. Which, speaking of, I don't know how I have made it th- knowing you guys for this long and I haven't gotten it signed. I'm going to have to do well, that. Well, next time. Together. <laughs> how, about if, how about if we give you the third edition, Andrea? Because it's a long way since the red one, we would say. I know. I know. <laughs> but I feel like that's one of those, it was always near and dear to my heart. And I can go back and I had, you know, I've, I still have sticky notes from 2006 that I put in there and my notes it was such a we love the we love the well-worn ones we love the ones that are posted all over and stuff we love to see those yeah yeah no I mean we we feel very grateful that that book just it was a right time right place 
and it, and people hadn't been thinking about this mm -hmm. much. And so, mm -hmm. and teachers got excited and kids got excited about reading and uh, much of our work from that, from since then has flowed from the work we originally did in strategies that were like, like the comprehension toolkit or, you know. Well, I, I was going to say your work didn't stop at strategies that work. You guys right. also worked on and created the comprehension toolkit, right. which what a phenomenal resource to support students as they struggle through comprehending nonfiction, which I mean, I don't know. That's not a surprise that nonfiction is hard. It doesn't right. feel like it's still hard as an adult to get through right. yeah, So exactly. that resource and then inquiry illuminated. Right. And then yeah. are the, what else? What am I missing? Well, you know, one thing you're missing and I wasn't involved in this at all. And so this is the little known secret. I'm kidding. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> Steph wrote a book on nonfiction matters, the importance of reading nonfiction before we ever did strategies at work. That was oh, my wow. first, that, that was, was my first, first book. And I would say, you know, maybe this, this is my opinion, but it was before it's time, but right. it was prescient in the fact that it really emphasized this idea of nonfiction. So mm -hmm. I think it's really fair to say that that also launched her into this nonfiction world, For sure. you know, long, not long before, it was a few years before strategies at work. But, and what I remembered, Steph, is talking with you about that book. And I had the cell phone the size of a, I don't know, <laughs> I'm surprised pack. there was even a cell phone at that point. I know. Well, I would go back and forth to Denver and I would talk to you about some of these ideas. Uh, I, I just have another memory of that. But anyway, I do remember, you know, I probably, Anyway, the cell phone was a giant. Oh, yeah. Really and we would talk about some of the things you were writing. It was just well, it a, leads actually a little bit into the whole notion of inquiry, because what that really was is that was yeah. my, my first book on inquiry. Exactly. I mean, it was all about kids finding their passion, finding the things that they cared about, finding the big questions they had. I think the first chapter was about passion and the second was about wonder. I mean, literally. Mm. So and this was written in 98. And but it was definitely, you know, before it's time that way. But it but it also so um so it was really the um the first of a number of books I've written in co-written co on inquiry for sure. Yeah. So inquiry is not a newfangled idea. That's no. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But it is an important one. And I think yeah. you know, as we continue to grow, you know, as um, a, a society and as humans and, you know, technology advances and things like that. I just think it's the idea of inquiry and, you know, coming at things with an inquiry-based perspective is, is so integral in the work that students are doing in a classroom. I feel like it couldn't be more necessary than it is now. I love it. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's really, it's really something you do for your whole life. I mean, that was your point mm -hmm. stuff then. And I think it would be our point now that it, it's really how you approach your life. And, you know, I think for kids to be able to do that in school is so important because then, then they're building up sort of patterns of curiosity and asking questions and all those things that stand them in good stead for for forever, so to speak. And, and teachers are valuing those, their curiosity, right. valuing their passion and their independence and their critical thinking. And if they live in a world where teachers do that, nothing's going to help them more in the outside world than, than knowing that, you know, you don't, 
you don't win Nobel prizes by not asking a question. Or right. You know, it's, it's so it really is, you know, that this is the kind of education giving kids that sort of, you know, in, in giving them that ability to engage in their own minds and their own curiosity really makes a difference. Right. Yes. I could just sit and listen to you guys chat. Oh God. <laughs> no, I love it. My worst nightmare listening yeah. to you all day. <laughs> no. No, but it's okay. fun having it's great having a conversation. I mean, I love it. <laughs> yes. So you guys, I mean, have been working together since the or the early what early eight two thousands or so. But yeah, strategy of the work came out in two thousand, yes. I think. Yeah. Yes. So, so since- authoring, co-authoring. Mm-hmm. So you've worked together a lot. You've been in the educational world for a long time. And this is, this is hard to do, but thinking, <laughs> thinking over the years and the work that you've done, you know, what, as a teacher, as a, as a consultant, um, in classrooms, you know, currently tell me, share with us just something that, that sticks out. Another one of those core memories that yeah. has stuck with you over the time, just something that you can never not, not think about, not forget, you know, just a favorite, a favorite memory, if you will. I've got, I've got one. It has to do with the sort of the heyday of open education when I first started teaching. And I think that, um, you know, again, as I said, it was, I lived in this very urban South side of Chicago and the school was really urban. The kids all lived in right, right there. It was a very diverse school. And we had this idea that they really, we needed to or it was this idea of kids should have experiences in schools. I mean, again, like I said, it was the heyday of open education. It was a different time and place. I I'm sort of sad to say, but so we took them camping and we drove in our own cars and we, you know, scrounged tents from families and we cooked food before we went. And, you know, we drove from Chicago, we drove to the middle of Indiana, a place called Turkey run. And I just remember how, sort of stunned the kids were to be out in nature. I mean, I don't mean to make too much of it, but, you know, nighttime noises, they were sort of terrified. And, but, but the whole point is it expanded their experiences. It expanded their horizons. And I just remember, I remember how much work it was for us teachers to, or we teachers to do this. I mean, it was a lot of work, you know, and putting all this stuff in our cars and, you know, we would never drive kids around now, right? Much less right. go 200 miles somewhere. But anyway, you know, we pitched the tents, then there wasn't enough food because the kids at the beginning of the line ate too, you know, anyway, yeah. I won't go on and on. But the point is, it, it was, it, it just made me really appreciate the idea of expanding kids' horizons. And maybe you can't always take them somewhere or do something, but you can explore your own neighborhood or you can look at your, your, your uh, little piece of a square of, of the garden differently, or it just this idea of expanding their horizons through, through other experiences and through broadening their experiences. I'm always so when I core memories for me are always like some disaster that happened Fair. <laughs> as a teacher. It's always about. But Anne made me think of something when I I taught about seven or eight years of special ed and five of those were in a brown building. We called it off away from the school. Sort of so, and these were considered extremely emotionally disturbed kids, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and of course, that building 
it said, oh, he he's in the Brown building. It was highly stigmatizing place. But right. but some things that were we were good made, and made me think of this was every Friday in the winter, we would take these kids who earned it and because they had some serious problems. So they had to, but we'd take them skiing on Fridays because we live here in Colorado and oh. we took them to Winter Park. And we and Winter Park has a amazing program for you know adaptive ski program and they include emotionally disturbed kids in that one of the interesting things about it is that our kids were not did not have physical disabilities and a lot of them were were physically very capable so for them to go up on Fridays and do something that they were really good at we we they did have to earn it but almost every week almost every kid earned it and uh, and it was a fabulous program, and we are internally grateful. And Winter Park Ski Area continues to do amazing things for for you know otherly abled kids, and and it, it is pretty wonderful. But one night, this is the this is a memorable experience. One night we got caught in a huge. There had been an avalanche. We were not caught in the avalanche, but. But the avalanche had come down over Berthoud Pass mm -hmm. as we were headed home on a Friday night. And of course, there were no such thing as cell phones. Right. And we couldn't go forward and we couldn't go back on the pass. And my husband and I were both in the van with 11 <laughs> emotionally disturbed kids who were just, you know, you couldn't get out of the car because it was a massive blizzard. And we couldn't let their parents know because we would come back to the school parking lot by about six o'clock at night. But this was never, we're never going to get there, right? Mm -hmm. And um, fortunately, about a number of hours later, they did clear the pass and we were able to get home. But by the time we got to the other side, it was close to midnight. Oh and my imagine, imagine all these parents <laughs> were, you know, expecting, we had no, and when we got off to the other side, got off the other side of the pass, we were able to find, everything was closed, but we wanted a phone and we were able to find a, a, a house with lights on, true story. And my husband, uh, I went and knocked on the door. He stayed in the car with them because we thought a man, they might not let a male in, right? And they were very nice. Right. They were very nice. It's like 11 in the evening. And uh, we got to call the principal, who was, we didn't wake her up because she was oh. totally freaked out about <laughs> what sure. was going up, right? And uh, and everybody was, you know, was really fine with it, but it was really, really scary. So when you talk about, I had not even thinking about it until Anne was talking about camping. And immediately I remembered the, uh, the night on the pass. But, you know, but the truth was, I'm completely with Anne on this experiential education. Mm -hmm. And and you know what? Um, I think we should still be doing it. And, the, and I think I think basically that this is part of the downside of the standards based high high stakes testings movement is right. that it's thought that every minute you spend in school, you're going to raise those test scores and you're going to meet those standards. And it's. It's not to say that we, under, we understand tests are necessary right. to a certain degree. We understand that standards are can be good a good thing, but uh, but to never let kids out is just it's so unreal. It's it's not like life, right? So I mean, even we used to take I used to take quite a few field trips when I taught elementary school too, but it was in the seventies and the eight by the by now you know you have schools who don't even take any, right? You know, right. So, so it's yeah, it's an interesting thing. Well, and I love that. It definitely, you know, as you guys are talking about, you know, your past and how you came together and then things that you remember, that thread of, you know, that 
experiential or that inquiry, that exploration, I mean, is, is very present in everything that you guys are talking about. And, you know, even though the times have definitely changed, I mean, even when I started teaching, I could still take a, I coached for a little while. I could still take a kid home, but now that is right. But so how, how do we get how do we bring those experiences in? And I think, you know, for you guys, even listening to, you know, when you talk about inquiry illuminated, but creating those opportunities within a classroom for students to explore through right. an inquiry based project. I mean, you know, I, I feel like that is a very clear passion that you guys, you know, have come together and, and have worked worked through and work with districts on um I mean is that am I am I yeah. reading am I am I hearing the things and that you guys are saying yeah Thanks well so. and, I, and I think you can do it in ways that are you know they're not as grandiose as a ski trip to right right or you know driving kids to the middle of Indiana to poke, you know, pitch tents but mm-hmm. I think that you can you can explore your own environment I'm part of a you know, I volunteer with a one of the schools we've worked in for many years here in Boulder, Columbine Elementary, and they just did an exploration of the of a creek that sort of meandered yeah. through the through their neighborhood, and the fact that it's flooded before, and what's going to happen when you know we have these big water events in in our city, and what will again? I'm not saying it's not but it doesn't have to be big right. and grandiose. It, yeah, no, absolutely. Opportunities, you know, Brad Burrow, our, our co-author, I mean, they did this incredible study of, you wouldn't think there'd be that many butterflies around Colorado, but in, in Boulder, they were able to go out and, and study sort of, they had, you know, butterfly attracting, you know, things with nectar and everything. And they, they study. They made a little study of butterflies and the plants that they. Anyway, I think that we can, if we can see opportunities in where we are, it doesn't have to be, you know, something that's that's hard to orchestrate. I guess would be one way of one way of putting it. I mean, it's sort of seeing the possibilities close up in our own that's true. In our own environments and looking at at them in in new ways, maybe. Mm-hmm. I know a teacher who is interested in what she calls, and I think it's a, a growing field, urban archaeology. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she 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 takes the kids just outside in the downtown areas and, you know, they'll bring someone who's happy to come who knows about the, the dates on the buildings and why they're there and why they have this or why that you know that you, you don't you really don't even need a you don't even need transportation to do this yeah. and and you also can do a ton in the classroom now with the internet there's you know there's so much available you know Ann and I are we really we aren't that big on the idea of one-to-one because too often in what you know it, it was Alan November I think who said it's not about one-to-one it's about one-to-world yeah. And that's what we ought to be thinking about. And and we're not so big on one-to-one because too often we've observed uh, teachers in classrooms, kids are in classrooms on their iPads or their Chromebooks or whatever. And it's really a workbook on the screen. You know, they're doing something, filling in blanks on the screen. It's no, it's no more progressive, interesting, or thoughtful than 
uh, just opening up a, a, a print page and doing it right but the but the world as Ellen November says is totally open to you on the internet when it comes to the research piece the Cornell bird labs I mean watching things in li real life right in your classroom you don't have to you don't have to get on a bus nothing you don't have to go for a walk even though I I advocate not walking yeah. right? But you don't have to. You can be in the classroom and you can see these things and you can have meetings with, you know, experts and specialists all over the world. And, you know, I we, I think Anne and I knew of this teacher that, you know, was her classroom was connected with a, a scientist at Palmer Station, Antarctica. I mean, and was able to fairly regularly um, talk with a, a fifth grade teacher, talk with this gentleman. Right. So, I mean, there's there's so much available now that it's almost surprising that inquiry is still a small part of many curriculums because in fact we have more opportunities to explore it than ever before right if that you know if that makes some sense no so, it definitely does. but we are excited that a whole a number of states and texas in particular has has you know put inquiry into their standards and into their curriculum mm -hmm. and is expecting it to be part of and we're seeing that more and more so we're hoping that this revival will really take root and and spread like wildfire across this country because yeah. it's it's really it's readily available on these on these uh screens and you know but uh we need to use them in the right ways right yeah well and i think and you've said this before steph that you know testing is its own genre right and there there's a place Absolutely. for it there's going to be a test that you experience at some point in your life so yeah. being able to tackle that is important but it's not everything. And, and I feel like I've always thought about it like if we only teach to a test, whatever the test is, then we're creating that ceiling for students. No that, that's all we're asking them to do is get to that point. But creating a place in a space in your classroom and in your curriculum where you let students explore. I mean, there is no ceiling. I mean, the, the, the sky's the limit. The that's the right. atmosphere, whatever it is. I mean, they can go in so many different directions. And then, you know, having that teacher there to guide and then bring in those strategies that they need as they move down that path of inquiry could just really be so powerful. That's right. That's right. And that and the good news about I think and 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 was really was really the 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 main author on the Inquiry Illuminated book, which is our most recent book resource around inquiry but you know the good news about it is that the topics the subject areas the stuff is so compelling we always say it's the content that's seductive mm. that's what really grabs kids so what we then have this great this big job of teaching them how to get the information how yeah. to read in a way that they can how to talk to each other in a way that they can, how to interview people, whatever. That's what our responsibility is because it's the content just gets its hands around your neck and pulls you in. It's so compelling, right? I've never met any kid ever who, or any that I can't find something in the real world to capture them. I just have, and I've taught a lot of kids with a lot of issues and I've never seen, I've found something, helped them and they've found it and I've helped support them to go there, right? Well, I think, you know, our approach to inquiry is, is also very rooted in our the comprehension strategy work. Yes. And again, you know, those are certainly front and center in your Texas comprehension standards, right? I mean, and I think that's why our 
this our sort of take on inquiry in this recent book is is a little different than a lot of um, work on inquiry. I think because we have this comprehension teaching comprehension strategies and having kids use these, uh, it, it's a foundation of this inquiry work. I mean, if kids are going to read and research and ask questions, right, to be really thinking strategically, right? That's so, right. I think that that under those underpinnings, um, I think really s- strengthen, <laughs> in, in you know, in our opinion, in our humble opinion, you know, yeah. our, our approach to inquiry, and and also, by the way, it it meets in the Texas standards both in comprehension and the newer standards in, in, in inquiry as well. You know, we all stand on the shoulders of others in this right. work, right? And, and, you know, no, there, nobody invents something from scratch. Right. Um, so a lot of our work in inquiry has, has benefited tremendously from the work of Wiggins and McTie, understanding by design, backwards planning, begin with the end in mind, all of those kinds of things. But what does di- just, you it differentiate us in many ways, but from them and from others is that we lay down this foundation at, of comprehension. We call it comprehension at the core. Mm-hmm. So across everything that we do, science, social studies, mathematics, don't ask me to come in and help anyone with that. <laughs> but, but, but whatever it is, we believe that thinking is at the core yeah. and it's comprehension is at the core. And so, and we, and we teach specifically teach into that. So that inquiry becomes that when kids are out engaging in their own inquiry projects, collaborative projects, or even independent inquiry, when they're out doing that, they have the strategies they need to be able to read the stuff and write about it and do the research. And and so that's what we spend both the comprehension and the collaboration strategies that we teach. I feel like um, when you think about you know, buzz, buzzwords that are out there, but, but not buzzwords, you know, as a gotcha or whatever, but like necessary skills that need to be developed in a classroom. I mean, you guys have hit read, write, research, ask questions, think. I mean, our son is four. He'll start kindergarten in the fall and just very fun. Yes, but the idea of him being in a classroom where he gets to do this and do that big thinking and like, you know, go out and ex- and explore and just find joy in the work that is done in a science, social studies, literacy and math classroom. That's just, it's, it's bigger than me, you know, it's bigger than just this well, they they moment. spend they spend more time ultimately, typically yes. with their teacher than they do with us with the oh, parents because absolutely. parents are working. You get them at night. You get them in the morning. Right. Of course, you could be all up all night with them when they have the flu. So then, then you're spending more time with them. But yes. generally, generally, they, you know, they're that's where they're going to be most of their next yeah. you know, twelve years and stuff, right? So well, and I think sometimes people think, oh, inquiry, well you know, that's maybe for fourth grade and up when kids have this skill and that skill. And, and, you know, we, we think in exactly the opposite that you harness those questions when kids come in the door, when they're four or five or three or wherever you start. Right. And, and that's, and, and you got to begin it from the, from day one, because you got to harness that curiosity. And I think that, you know, kids don't even have to be able to quote unquote read words. I mean, they can no. 
pictures, read the world, read video, you know, anyway. So right. I think the earlier you start, you just made me think of this, Andrea, when you talk about your son and ideally, you know, we want kids to, you know, love going to school and, and yeah. go into classrooms that are vibrant and active and, you know, is not paper and pencil activities to help them supposedly do better on assessments. So, right. I am all tingly. No one can see that while they're listening, but I mean, I am serious listening to you guys just talk and share it. I mean, it fires me up. It makes it, I have my, my little fire inside is like, yes, let's do this. Let's go. <laughs> Well, let me tell you something, you know, enthusiasm is contagious, right? Mm -hmm. And you are one of the most energetic, enthusiastic people I know. Well, so there's no way that there's no way that someone could sit and talk to you and not catch that fire. Believe me. Oh, well, thank you. But I feel like it's like, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? It's easy to be enthusiastic <laughs> when, you know, listening to you guys talk and just how powerful the message that you know, you have and that you're sharing and that you're working to, to get out there. Be, right before we began, we talked about what our passions were, you know, and mm -hmm. I think there's so many things that I think both of us love about the world and, and want to explore more deeply, but basically for me, and I'm, and I'm not speaking for Anne, but I wouldn't be surprised, but we're just passionate about kids, yeah. just, just about kids and just about their thinking, or at least, I mean, just what more, what really, and, and that I think is something that really teachers need to think about because that is the, the joy and the passion and the energy you catch from kids is so important in the teaching that you do. Right. I mean, and so, you know, there's, I'm there, I like adults fine, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm much more, I find kids much more interesting, you know, generally because they're just so wide open and stuff. Right. So. Well, and stuff. you never you never know what's going to happen next. I mean, there's surprises yeah. every. I mean, you know, and you think about. I mean, you know, teachers have been through a lot in the past few years, especially. Right. I mean, it's been so hard. Yeah. But I just think if there's a way, you know, now that we're back together and people are in classrooms, you know, if there's a way to, you know, bring in some of that, you know, let some of their vibrancy and interest and curiosity shine through every day it just it makes the classroom a much more interesting and engaging place to be I mean think about it you never know what's going to happen when you go to work if you're a teacher right. you yeah that's, know. You never know that's true, that's true. <laughs> every day is new and different right mm -hmm. I love it yeah so you know all right okay so thinking about wrapping wrapping it all up I mean we've got <laughs> we talked about a lot of things but it definitely is and I feel like what you just said you know that that being passionate for kids and being excited about what, you know, as educators and in a classroom, what we're able to do and just spread, spread that love, right? Spread that, that foundation for asking questions, for building up students and their ability to do that, to do the research, to do, to read what they need to, to write what they need to. But bringing forth that, that foundation and that process to do that work. And I think, you know, I, I always, at, at the end of these, I mean, I, I want to link all of the things, all of the work that you guys have done in, into the notes, you know, so people who listen have access to strategies that work and the comprehension toolkit and inquiry illuminated just as resources that can help teachers as they're on their own journey. But 
you know, I think at, at the, at the core, it is about, it is about that passion. I, I, it's very, very apparent that that is what drives you guys as you continue to do this work. It's true. (laughs) Well, 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 thank you. Thank you for having us. It was really fun. We could talk, we could talk about, you know, enthusiastic, you know, fun, energetic education, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all year long, right? We can, we can. And you know what? Our, uh, this episode can be, you know, we, we come to an end today, but that doesn't mean this has to be the end of our conversations. I know that they will continue and I'm sure there will be another episode that we need to put together. But for today, thank you guys so much for your time and just a little insight into your past and present and the work that you guys do. I am, I mean, in awe of the work that you've done. I think it's so powerful. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm honored to be on your podcast. So it's it was <laughs> yes, a lot well, of fun. You, so thank you. You guys know, I mean, Kyle Warren and, you know, our team at the Warren Instructional Network, we, um, we talk a lot about how we can support teachers and what we can do. And um, we like to, we like to say that you know, there's a lot of ideas that are thrown out there. And then I like to come and, and try to make them concrete. So this is just right. one of those efforts. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Adrian. Thanks. Uh, thanks very thank much. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. All right. We will we will chat again soon. Totally. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.